Blessed be his name. Good to be in the house of the Lord again today. Turn again, please, to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to start reading again in verse 14. And just appreciate uh, Brother Steve several years back mentioned something about him going through the book of Hebrews and it, it witnessed to me and I began to look at it verse by verse and I just uh, looked this week to see when we started the series on Hebrews. It was April 22nd, 2012. So we've been doing it for four years. I know you think, yeah, we know. But really, unless we know the New Testament gives us principles, but we don't know what the principles mean unless we go back to the Old Testament and find out what he's referring to. Because the principles are explained back there. They're set back there and they're, and they're brought forth in the New Testament. So let's begin with um, verse 14. It says, Hebrews 12, verse 14. Pursue peace after, with all people and holiness without which no one can see or is allowed to see the Lord. See, the word of God tells us that he won't draw iniquity to his bosom. In order to truly see him, we have to have his nature within us. Well, because without his nature within us, we will not recognize who he is. That's the, it's the Holy Spirit witnessing to us of who he is. See, Paul had that uh, road to Emmaus experience where he was religious, and he was doing what his religious leaders told him to do because this sect of the, this Nazarene, whatever, was a heresy. They were destroying the temple. They were doing all these things that were against their religious teachings. But what they didn't, re didn't realize is Jesus Christ was coming to fulfill all their religious teaching. That was what was set forth as law. He was coming to bring forth grace to continue to walk in his ways and to fulfill the, the requirement of sin. A lamb must be slain not just to cover, but to remove sin. 
I'm so glad that the Lamb came. Blessed be his name. Verse 15, he said, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest there be any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you, and by, many, by this many become defiled. Amplify says, to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace. I was looking at some children here this morning as they were praising the Lord. Their hands raised up, their eyes closed, and I said, thank you, Lord. And you know why they do that? Because they see you doing that. They see their parents doing that. It's been set forth as an example. As adults in this house, we have to realize that there are little eyes looking at us. And they will imitate us. Either for the good or not so good. What they see you do, they think is acceptable. Well... You know, it refers here to the root of bitterness, but it can be a root of a lot of things. It could be a root of lying. It could be a root of taking the easy way, cutting corners. But all those things defile many. The root of bitterness not only defiles you, but defiles all that you touch. Well, let's go on. I got you all excited last week with that, so I'm not going to go back there. Verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator. It's a tough word because it really means a male prostitute. It comes from the word which means to be a slave, be owned by someone and prostituted out because of the slavery. But it's also it means to be metaphorically means sold under sin or control. Uh, entirely controlled by and the loving of sin or profane, unhallowed, common, common or godly, earthly, like the person like Esau. So what it's saying is that he was, he did not hallow the things of God. They th He did not seek after. He didn't hold the godly things in esteem. 
we have to be careful. I know we love the Lord, but are there things in our lives that we allow ourselves to do? We give condolence, or we, uh, we allow that to happen because we don't really see anything that bad with it. We have convinced ourselves that that's not that bad. And because of that lie, you're believing that lie, it becomes a worse sin because you, you just don't allow God to touch that. Because it's not that bad. And because really, you really enjoy it. And you don't want, don't want to give it up even for God. Well, this fornicator and profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold, he gave it away, didn't find it profitable, sold his birthright. Philippians, uh, the Phillips translation says it this way, be careful too that none of you fall into impurity and lose his reverence for the things of God like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. Weiss translation says, lest there be any fornicator or irreligious persons such as Esau who exchanged for one bit of food gave up his birthright. Now, I won't ask you to show your hands, but how many would know what the birthright really was? There was a specific things in the Old Testament that the birthright which went to the firstborn son firstborn son the one that would carry the name of his family forward okay there were certain provisions made for and given to that firstborn son that was his birthright let's go to Genesis 25 here and see the circumstance of Esau here. Starting at verse 29. Now Esau had been out, he's a uh, cunning hunter and so forth. He had been out in the field and, and hunting and hadn't gotten anything. And he, verse 29 said, Jacob sod pottage. Uh, Really what he's saying is he was making a lentil stew. Okay? And so Esau had come in from the field. He hadn't gotten anything. He was famished. Okay? Anybody been famished? In America, we only think we are. I mean, I only had one... Big Mac today instead of two or whatever. 
I don't think we, in America, we ever really know what it means to be hungry, hungry. Blessed be his name. And Esau said unto Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage. It's red meaning the color of the earth. For I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. So when you hear of the, of the nation of Edom, it refers to Esau as the, the father of the Edomites. Guidel asked me something yesterday, and I thought I looked it up. And um, <clears throat> I said, who, who were the children or who were the, the lineage of Ishmael? Abraham's son. Well, you asked me both. So I looked up both of them because... Uh, Ishmael was the father of the of uh, and on his lineage is Mohammed and the lineage of Islam so that's why they say Abraham was their father because he was but Esau his children became another branch of the Arabic nations. You get a pattern here. We have nations that were separated from Israel that have been combative and enemies of Israel ever since. And Esau, his problem was that he sold his birthright. Let's continue. Verse 31, and Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. Now, we know that Jacob was a conniver. See, but what we, the prophetic word that came to the boys when they were born, Esau and, and Jacob were twins, but came to Rebekah and says that, the elder will serve the younger. But Rachel and who was a little bit of a conniver herself and passed that down to her son wanted to help God out. And we'll see this a little, little bit in the next uh, reference. See, but God had already spoken and, and given his favor to Jacob, who became Israel. But how many times that we know, we know the favor of God is in our life, but we like to help God out, uh, making sure what he has said will happen by conniving our own ways. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Verse 32. 
I don't know, New Living Translation says, Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is his birthright to me now? I'm dying of starvation. Probably not. But his birthright meant so little to him. And very shortly I'll enumerate what provisions that were made for that. What, I'm dying, I'm starving to death. What good is it to me? Let's continue. And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swore to him that sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, or lentil stew. He did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised, did, held it in contempt, disdained his birthright. My God. The birthright was significant in at least three ways. There's more, but I just wanted to keep this somewhat shorter today. The firstborn were were particularly consecrated unto God. Exodus 22:29 says, And ye shall not delay to offer the first of your ripened produce and your juices. Remember, the first fruits were always to be offered unto the Lord. The first harvest of the year was during Passover. All right? It was the barley harvest. But also, the next day was the heave offering, which was the first fruit, the first, the first sheaves of barley that were, came, were to be given unto the Lord. As I've told you before, the first fruits are the best of the best of the harvest. Farmers, by nature, want to keep the best of the best because it's the best seed, produces the best for their seed crop for the next year. And God says, I want, I want that which is first. It's a principle. Give God the first. Give God the best of your life. Don't give him the leftovers. When I get around to it later on tonight, I'll pray. How many times has that happened? And it's, you know, oh, laying in bed. Oh, I forgot to pray today. Lord, we just want you to bless all. Well, give him the first, first fruit. Of your produce and your, your juices. The first of your sons shall be to me. He started off with taking the firstborn, he, the firstborn of every family, firstborn male of every family was to be consecrated and set aside unto God. Okay? It's the principle of the first fruit and the birthright. So 
The birthright is that we are set, first and foremost, it is that we are set apart, consecrated to God. That's the first fruit, the firstborn, the birthright. Okay? Secondly, thing, there's a double portion of the Father's good. See, the, the firstborn was actually also supposed to take care of the father and the mother in old age, so he was getting double of what all the rest of the sons would get. All right, understand? So if they had two sons, the firstborn would get two-thirds of the inheritance and the second son, one-third, okay? The firstborn... His, his birthright was a double portion. A double portion. And you see the, the uh, reference there. The third thing was he had, a, he had the right to become the priest and to govern the home, the family. So the birthright was that... Um, First, he, he was to be consecrated unto God. He had a double portion inheritance, and he was to be the governing and the the governor and the priest of the home. That was the birthright. And Esau disdained that. He didn't want that. He didn't want to. And what did he sell it for? A meal. And we can shake our heads and say, oh, I'd never do something like that. Well, maybe not. But are we allowing things in our lives that is diminishing our purpose, God's purpose for our lives? Are we falling short of his glory by things, attitudes, whatever that we may have that are not pleasing to him. Therefore, he can't use us as he has purposed. My God, search us, O God. See if there be any wicked ways in us. And lead us in the life everlasting, light everlasting. We have to be careful not to sacrifice that which is eternal on the altar of expedience. Esau became, uh, because he didn't value his heritage, squandered it for a momentary pleasure. We have seen too many over the years, we have seen too many, even ministers, to totally diminish their ministry for momentary pleasures. And because they're ministry, there's, there's a target. The enemy has a target. There is forgiveness. There is restoration. But there's a whole lot of rebuilding of confidence that goes on. And some people never will have confidence in them again. 
because of their own disappointment and inability to forgive. Well, Lord, help us. Again, search us, O Lord, and say, Lord, am I sacrificing your desire and your purpose in my heart and life for momentary pleasures, fleshly pleasures of this earth? your priority. See, the birthright was, because he was the firstborn, was Esau's. But he didn't value. He, the word was disdained. He did not hold it in high enough of value. He sold it. You know, Jacob shouldn't have connived that. Not giving him a pass on it, but if Esau hadn't disdained it, he wouldn't have had opportunity. Esau did not value his inheritance, his birthright, so he was easily tricked out of it. Verse 17, back in Hebrews 12, out of the Weymouth translation. For you know that even afterwards, when he wished to secure the blessing, he was rejected, speaking of Esau. For he found no opportunity for undoing what had been done. Though he sought the blessing earnestly with tears. Weiss translation says it this way. For you know that after also after that, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was disqualified, for he did not find a place of repentance, even though he sought it with tears. Let's go back to uh, Genesis 27. Now here's the story about, and I'll just kind of paraphrase it a little bit, Isaac was old, his eyes were deteriorating, and he said, the, the, uh, the day of my death is near. Ironic thing was, he lived for 44 more years. I'm about to die. He hung on for 44 more years. But listen to what, because of that perception, what he did and in what it precipitated. He told uh, Esau, he said, he called him and said, go out and hunt and, get, and bring me some venison that I love so dearly. See, what you gotta remember is Esau was, was uh, Isaac's favorite and Rebecca, and Jacob, Rebecca's favorite. He was a mama's boy whatever you want to say with that. But he said, go out and get me some venison that I may bless you and then die. Again, there was a short-sightedness 
of God's working in his life and God's provision in his life. I'm afraid sometimes we give up too easily. We're not done until God says we're done. Well, we can give up before then. And the latter part of our years can be wasted because we're not still holding on. We don't have the confidence in God any longer to do what he promised and what he purposed to do. Moses was 80 years old before he started to lead the people. 80 years old. That's even older than John. I'm glad John and Janet are back here. It gives me somebody to pick on. But anyway, I'm glad you're back for a lot of other reasons, but that particularly. And Rebecca overheard this conversation, so she got, hey, Jacob, come here. Your father's going to bless Esau. Now I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to trick him. My own emphasis here. We're going to deceive him. Going to get two kids out of the, two good kids out of the goats. Bring them, and I'll make up savory meat for him. Because I know he can't tell the difference any longer. And he said, "Well." And you can go before him and says, well, wait a minute. Esau is hairy and I'm smooth. He said, that's all right. Take the skin of the, of the kids and we'll put it on the, on the back of your neck and on, on your wrists and so forth so we can fool him. So, like I said, Jacob didn't fall far from the mother's tree. Well, we're careful moms and dads. Because the seeds you sow are their heritage in your children. Let me say that again. The seeds that you sow through your actions are the heritage of your children. They will bear the fruit of your seeds. Well... And so he went through with the plan and he made the savory meats and he comes in and comes in into Isaac and said, I'm back. And he says, how did you do it so quickly? He said, the Lord helped me. Actually, he said, the Lord thy God. I found that interesting. He said, didn't say the Lord our God. The Lord, thy God, helped me. See, because Jacob hadn't met God yet in any meaningful way. So, you continue on here, and you know the story. He went in and they, he brought the savory meats, and he, he said, you know, you feel like 
Esau, you smell like his clothes. Uh, Rebecca put clothes on. You smell like the field like, like him. But the voice is Jacob's. <coughs> see, his eyes were dim, so he couldn't see. But he still heard. Let our hearing be sharp to the voice of the Lord. Let us not in any way become dull of hearing his voice. Other faculties may wane, but let us remain stalwart in the hearing of the things of the Lord, hearing his voice. Let's continue. Then he went on and said, said, I'm your, your very son Esau, Jacob said. He lied to him and deceptive. But then he said, he kissed them and then he, he blessed them. Picking up in verse um, 28. He said, I'm going to read it to the Amplified, 28 and 29. He said, and may God give you the dew of the heavens and the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brothers and let your mother's son, your mother's son or sons bow down to you. Let everyone be cursed who curses you and favored with blessing who blesses you. He gave him a great blessing. Blessed him with provisions agriculturally. He blessed him with that which of authority that the sons bow down. Let's continue reading here. Verse 30. When it came to the past, as soon as Isaac had made his, an end of bless, uh, blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out of the, the presence of Isaac, Esau came. He brought his, his venison in for his blessing. And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? He said, I am thy firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who, were, uh, where is he who had uh, taken venison and brought it to me, and I have eaten it, and before thou camest, I have blessed him, and he shall be blessed. The blessing is not, is irrevocable. Did you hear that? God's blessing on our life is irrevocable. But we can diminish it by our choices. His purpose is to bless us. But it's up to us how much we allow him to. We can do that in a lot of ways. 
We allow him to bless us by trusting in him. Or withhold blessing because we don't trust with him. Well, let's continue. And he cried out to him and that he has, uh, Jacob, you know, he's, his name means supplanter and he's been well named and so forth and so on. He said, but don't, don't you have another blessing for me? In verse 39 and 40, 41, he said, And Isaac, his father, answered, Your blessing and, uh, and dwelling shall come from the fruitness, fruitfulness of the earth, speaking to Esau, his blessing for him, and from the dew of heavens above. And by the sword you shall live and serve your brother. Serve your brother. He made Isaac the head of the house. I made uh, Jacob the head of the house. But the time shall come when you'll grow uh, uh, restive or restless and break loose, and you shall tear his yoke from off your neck. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which he, his father had blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are very near, 44 years away. When he is gone, I will kill my brother Jacob. What happened? The situation revealed the condition of his heart. See, there was jealousy and so forth before, but this, the blessing, caused it to come forth and manifest and said, I'll, when, my, when our father is dead, I will kill my brother. Other situations in our lives that have brought things up that we may not have known was there or that we try to hide really well. Well, blessed Jesus. Um, Herbert Lochner uh, makes a series of of books, one of which is All the Men in the Bible, says this of Esau. Esau lifted up his voice and cried, Bless me also, O my father. But his repentant prayer was directed not to God, but to Isaac. In the whole of Genesis, the book of Genesis, Esau does not mention the name of God. Remember, he said that he was profane. He was a man of the earthly realm. The earthly realm is always in opposition, juxtaposition of the heavenly, of God himself. Well, his, his prayer was, uh, excuse me, uh, Esau only repented of his bargain, not of his sin. Because his sin was that he disdained his birthright. Disdained his uh, position in the family. 
his double portion, and being the head of the house and the priesthood of the house. He disdained that. God was not, God was not in his thoughts, and he had therefore to, uh, to abide by the consequences of what he had brought upon himself. So he repented, he cried and boo-hooed, but he boo-hooed because he wasn't going to get a material blessing. Well, my God, help us. Where, where your treasures are, that's where your heart will be also. Well, hallelujah. Because of his anger at Jacob, and probably himself also for being fooled. Anger is a very powerful emotion. During times of anger, your true nature will be exposed. Because your civilized demeanor is cast aside and your true nature is unleashed with all its pent-up emotions hurtful language, and aggressions. Think about it. When you're angry, what comes out? Anger is an extremely strong emotion in a human being. And it will... I just read, it will expose what the condition of the heart. Because of his anger, the murder he had in his heart for Jacob was exposed. He was, you know, amenable and so forth in the everyday thing, but because of the anger rose up, his true heart was exposed. Just want to ask all of us what happens when we're in that state of emotion, what, whether it be anger or whatever. You know, it could be fear, and we expose the fact that we're fearful and not trusting in God. Our emotions can expose what our heart condition is and will expose. Romans 12, 2, out of the Phillips, I've quoted this so many times. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. The world around us says, you have a right to be angry, you have a right to vent, you have a right to spew off all these things, you have a right to belittle and cut down, and that's... You're not a man or a woman if you don't do that. You stand up for yourself. Fight your own battles. Except the Lord says, I fight your battles. But I don't trust you, God, to fight my battle. That's your problem. What you're really saying is, Lord, I know you're merciful and gracious, and you won't get the revenge I want you I want to 
relate and bestow upon that person or that object or whatever. One of my... Uh, a child I know came in limping and said, what's wrong? I said, well, I shot the basketball and missed, so I kicked the goal post, kicked the, the goal stand, basketball stand. What happened? Well, that's just a child. But that's what happens with anger. You respond, you act, and whatever the action is, is going to be hurtful, whether to you or you and someone else. Well, don't let the world around you squeeze you into a mold, its own mold, but let God remake you so that your whole attitude of mind is changed. Let the Lord remake us. Well, by nature, I'm angry. Whose nature? The nature of the world or the nature of God? Where God says, be angry and sin not. Well, I just needed to give them a piece of my mind. I needed to just cut them down to, to size. It made me feel better. Well, what about the things of the Lord? We're to build one another up, not cut one another down. Are we being disobedient? I know I'm... In the last few weeks, I'm getting kind of nitty-gritty. But we can't just be pretend Christians. We must be Christ-like. We just don't want to carry the name. We want to carry the nature. And the nature says, I forgive. There's not, it doesn't say he doesn't discipline but he says, I do not tear them up to get their attention. Or whatever the case may be. Now, what is our birthright in Christ? Now you can get happy. Yay! Romans 8:29. For whom he did foreknow... He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That we might be the, he might be the firstborn among many brethren. What's our birthright? To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You all can shout right now because that's, that's a tremendous. He hasn't withheld anything from us. Well... Galatians 1.15. Well, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, Paul speaking, and called me by his grace. I think if we all consider 
and think back through our lives, we realize that he separated us. He told Jeremiah, I said, I called you in your mother's womb to be the prophet to the nations. He has, he, see, you didn't just happen to make a right decision. God was drawing you to himself all your life. You had to make the decision, but his hand and his purpose and his spirit was drawing you. Well, that's your birthright, to be conformed. One of your birthrights is to be conformed to the image of his son. So we can be part of, the Lord Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren, or if you will, sistren, sisters. Sisterns, yes. Second Peter 1, 3. According to his divine power, he has given unto us all things that pertaineth unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that have called us by his virtue. See, he's, as like in the Old Testament, he was consecrated to God, born to be into the image, be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Also had a double portion of the goods, Father's goods. Listen to with that thought in mind. Give you all things that pertaineth to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that had called you by, called us to glory and virtue. That's what He's called us to. His glory and His virtue. Romans eight thirty seven. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. There's the power and the authority. That's our birthright. We are more than conquerors. Amen, Brother Chuck. The third facet is the priestly and chief governmental realm of the family. Revelation 1, 5, and 6. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of, from the dead, and of the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us. Yes. See, he loved us first. Yes. Amen. And washed us, and really the word is loosed us yes. from our sins in his blood. Hallelujah. He loosed us from the chains of sin. He loosed us from the penalty of death. Because the soul that sins shall die. Verse 6, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Then in 1 Peter 2.9 2, says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Yes. Now that, 
again, it's old King James. It, now, it really means a people of purpose and possession. The world thinks we're peculiar and weird, but God says, you're my possession. You're my separate, my holy, my righteous people. I, I, I gather you to me. You are the ones I want to be near me. You're my children. Peculiar people, that ye may show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Esau didn't, he embraced darkness. He says, what good is my birthright? Right, I'm about to die in starvation. He sacrificed the eternal for the expedience of a meal. And we can shake our head and say, oh, that's terrible, but are we in little ways doing some of the same things. We, sacrificing the holiness and righteousness of God in our lives by allowing something and re maintaining and embracing some areas in our life we know God doesn't approve of. Search us, O Lord. And purge us of everything that's not righteous and holy in your sight. I want to be conformed to his image, not the image of the world. Because the world will pass away, but his kingdom is eternal. It never passes away. What, what kingdom do you want to be associated with? That which is eternal or that which is, in fact, passing away? Blessed be his name. We are blessed with a birthright from him. Let us not, let us value it. Let's not disdain what God has purposed for us. You disdain it by not serving him with all of your might. David said when you're bringing the ark up, says, he danced before the Lord with all of his might. But his wife looked out and disdained what he did. And the word of God said something very sad. And she, from that day forward, she was barren. Because she disdained his worship before the Lord. God, help us not to disdain your purposing. God can call us to and impress us with doing something, setting aside and changing our direction of our life. And we didn't say, well, no, I can't. That, that would cost me too much, Lord. Lord, help us. Let's help us. Stand. Let's stand, please.
what is on this Memorial Day weekend, what is our memorial that we're leaving? What is our legacy that we're leaving for those behind? Is it a legacy of compromise or a legacy of holiness? Where do we stand? What things do we personally honor within our lives that are not honorable in God's sight? I don't know about you, but all I hear in my, my spirit is, my God, search me. See if there be any wicked way. And lead me. See, that's the, the beautiful thing about it. Esau, if he would have had repented before God, could have been restored. But he, his repentance was because he didn't get his... It was earthly. I want my portion of your inheritance did not see the spiritual side of what he was supposed to do. He disdained that. All he wanted was something material. We have to be so careful that we don't sacrifice that which is eternal on the altar of expedience. What is right before us. Father, we ask truly you come and seal this word to our hearts. Father, we ask, we know, my God, this is a people that are, are seeking after you and purposing after you, my God. Lord, let us continue to follow hard after you, to see your glory, to see your purposing, to see your nature woven in and through our, our being. And Lord, we'd ask truly, about, come, O Holy Spirit, and, and show within our lives things where, uh, that are not pleasing unto you, that is actually sapping our spiritual strength and cleanse our hearts, cleanse our, our minds, our, our uh, emotions, my Lord, that in all we say and do that we will in fact honor you. We sang it this morning, my God, and how awesome you are. And all that we desire to give you adoration and praise, Lord, just make that, make that our prayer, my God, and fulfill that prayer within our lives. Try us, O oh Lord, and truly and see if there be any wicked ways in us. And then lead us, my Lord, in the life everlasting. We thank you, my God, when you show us, you don't judge us there, that you give us that time to repent and change our ways. And we thank you for that. Bless this precious people. Seal this word to our hearts, my God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Can you say amen? amen. Lord bless you. Have a great Memorial Day weekend.